This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of the seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show today from Crown Hyundai, 34th Street North in St. Petersburg, where we have a raised watch party later on today. Today, we're going to sit down with Jay Goodarizzi, discuss his tremendous turnaround post-All-Star break. We'll also look ahead to September with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, hear from former Rays David Price and Robinson Chirinos, and look at the Major League Baseball playoff races with MLB.com's Richard Justice, plus much more. We continue on this week in race baseball. Our featured guest this week is Jake Odorizzi. And Jake, for you, you had a terrific run there where you didn't allow a single run over three starts. Can you put the season, though, in perspective to this point? Uh, typically just like any other season, honestly, the ups, the downs, you take the good with the bad. And, you know, everything kind of starts to get into form at some point during the season. Now it's the second half of the season. Everything's kind of coming to a you know a good a good point so I really had to work the first half of the season get through all that I think it made me a better pitcher and now just kind of reaping the benefits of all the work and I just want to keep going out there and you know putting together these type of quality outings. I think during that rough stretch you said well hopefully this makes me stronger for next season for future seasons what did you mean by that? You don't always have success in your career, especially when you know when things are going bad. They kind of seem to go bad for a while, and you may not be doing anything different than what you normally do. So, it's more about persevering and just trusting the process and just trusting yourself. Really, if you see something that you think is good and the results are bad, you just have to stick with it and keep going, keep going, and it's going to turn around. That's kind of the law of averages, I guess. But uh, you just have to, like I said, keep going through it. And once you get through it, and you're a, you're a better person for it. For you and for the staff, do you think you learned anything about yourself going through that tough stretch and maybe for the starting staff too? Because obviously the first half of the season there were high expectations and I know you guys have standards that probably weren't met. Yeah, I think our standards are probably higher than what the expectations were and we uh, we underwhelmed very uh, by a good bit. I, all of us, none of us were happy with the first halves we had and actually you know, collectively as a group the second halves have been complete opposites of the first so it's nice to see you know where we should be and getting back to it and everybody just kind of making the change and getting back to being how how we should be but I think we're always learning you know year in and year out no one will ever figure out this game completely so it'll constantly be uh, you know a learning experience for all of us. Is there anything in particular you think that you took away that you think if you go through rough stretches in the future may be able to help you get through them faster? Yeah, possibly so. Um, this one was just different. I felt good the whole time. It was just the results were bad. So I, there wasn't really physically anything I needed to change. It was just making, you know, maybe a little bit better execution on this, on that. Um, 
just a little bit of things here and there, but not nothing drastic this time. So I think you kind of have to take the situations and you know see what uh, see what it looks like, and then you know evaluate it. Jay Kodarizzi with us on this week in race baseball, and I think probably what was most impressive of you and the other starters during the stretch after the break was how you handled your business on the field while all the rumors and speculation was going on off from a human side. Was that difficult? Because you guys made it look easy. It's it's a lot more difficult than what people probably know. Um, you know, each and every day it seems like there was a new rumor, this and that, or somebody was already out the door. And like I said, Matt, I think Matt put it really good. Usually, you know, there's a lot more smoke than there is fire. And that's only one team would trade for you. It's not like 30 teams are going to trade for you at once. So um, it's a weird experience, though, just to be, you know, talked about in that light and still have to go out and perform and do well and, it's uh, it's not a fun time. It's not a very uh, relaxing time, but you have to block it out and do your job. And I think we all did a pretty good job of doing that. But from a human standpoint, you know, you don't really want to leave your your friends. It's, you know, you've been with these guys. I mean, Matt's been here almost ten years, so it was really hard for him. I've been here four or five years now, so it'd be tough to go just leave your you know your longtime friends right in the middle of the season. And then from a family aspect, you know, um, you have to pick up and move your family on the drop of a hat. And now having a having a son makes that a lot difficult it was just me and my wife we'd all pack a suitcase and be good but there's a lot more preparation when it comes to family moving as you know as well as the player and I want to get to that what allowed you to mentally kind of lock in on the on the mound itself because again you mentioned the human side you were at your best during that period probably yeah I well I just needed to lock in to get better period um there wasn't anything I needed to do to worry about trades I just needed to pitch better because of the you know the terrible start I got off to so that was my main thought was just throw get better and don't worry about anything else the rest takes care of itself and it's out of my control anyway so I just need to be better and obviously you were you mentioned the family aspect your son uh, Rhett Walker was born in December what's it been like being a dad now for the last eight months it puts a lot of things in perspective you know the things that you thought mattered matter a little bit less now and he runs the show and everything's about him so you know, Chris and I just take a daily basis of figuring out what he wants and keep him happy, and he's a really happy baby, so he actually makes things pretty easy on us, knock on wood. But uh, it's been good. It's been really fun and not a lot of sleepless nights, so we're thankful for that. And, uh, yeah, he's been great, and he gets to come to all the home games. So Yeah, you're at a good point now at eight months. When did he start sleeping through the night? Spring training. So he's been he's fit well with the baseball season. And you had him out of season, which obviously is good planning on your part. What is um, what is he doing now at eight months? Is he is he crawling? Is he trying to climb on things? Where are we at? He's been crawling for about two months. Um, he's been pulling himself up for about a month on everything, standing, and we're practicing walking now. I'll hold him and he'll walk. And he's not really on his own yet, but he's he's at every point. His next step's walking. He's got everything else kind of is mastered as an eight-month-old could with his limited skill set. You mentioned life-changing. So has it changed you personally? I mean, does it make it easier after a start to kind of put it in the rearview mirror or, or keep baseball at the field? I think just from me personally, I was good at just leaving everything at the field regardless of, you know, having a kid or not. But I don't think anything's really changed between now and then of me having a different mindset, uh, especially for starting pitchers. You you have to have a quick memory, a uh, short memory, and then focus on five days on the road. So there's a lot of waiting period to begin with. If I was an everyday player, it might have been a little bit different to, you know, not have success every single day for a week and then come home and, you know, to block that out. So um, it's it's just nice to come home to him, and he doesn't care if you win or lost. He's just he smiles when he sees me, and it makes everything, you know, all worth it. 
being a dad now has it changed kind of your off? I, I don't know, like uh, when the race don't play, if it was just kind of spent doing other things, whether it was golf, whether it was, you know, a kind of day with your wife. Ha- what do you do when you're away from the field to relax? Um, typically relax during the season we don't do too much you know go out to eat maybe run to the mall do something it's pretty much just hanging out with him now we we play around um there's a lot of playing that gets done at the house nap time takes up a little bit of time clean the bottles it's it's just all being the being the family man whereas you know we might go out or do something as before he was here so it's all him all the time and it's it's really enjoyable and i wouldn't be wouldn't rather do anything different when you're not at the field how much is split between you and your wife of regarding regarding rat what what does jake not do um she probably she cleans more diapers than me just because she's with him all day long so she's got the leg up on me with that she's probably got the leg up on me with everything she's with him 24 7 so they've got them, themselves a pretty good relationship down but when i'm at home i like to do as much you know much as i can and uh but she's definitely way better at doing all that stuff than me she's got more practice but i enjoy you know i enjoy doing everything that comes with being a father you do get caught up during the off season which unfortunately this year probably not will come a little sooner than you guys would have liked um you still have a chance to hit some numbers this year what it would it, what would it mean to hit 200 innings you need to average between six and seven innings to start the rest of the way to do so Personally, it would be great, uh, especially the way things you know got off to the the slow start. Not a lot of innings to begin with, and uh, to really, if I was to reach that goal, it would really just show the adjustment that I made and personally got to where I want to be. And I think where every starter, you know, eyeballs to be. So it just means I'm doing my job, going deep in the games, and you know, giving everybody a chance to win. And that's what it's all about: is how often you can give your team a chance to win on a five-day basis. How? underrated do you think the 200 inning starter is in today's game and how how important should it be in your mind I think it's getting harder and harder just how you know teams use their bullpen and how many specialized guys are in the bullpen because if you look at you know the Yankees before they traded everybody if their starter went six innings they can pull them and have three guys that are you know just pretty much lockdown guys so if you average six innings a start whatever it may be that's 180 innings if you do 30 starts and you need a couple more to reach 200 so I think it's getting a little bit more tough just how the game is and how you know how competitive it is and people have their roles so it's it's definitely a big thing when you see starters get to that that plateau. It was recently that Rob Manfred started talking about oh maybe we need to limit you know how relievers are used or how often they can be used interested to see how that may play out or a pitch clock even I, I think there's a lot of ideas on how people think they want to you know improve the game or change the game and a lot of them might not work they all sound good on paper but uh you know the pitch clock i don't think that would be too much of an issue um that's pretty basic but if you're trying to change the aspect of how you can limit relievers or use relievers you're kind of taking decisions out of the manager's hand and the front office they you know could change their build of their team regardless you know depending on a certain rule so i don't like that aspect i I haven't heard of that to be honest but uh, i think it just changes the game and you know puts it out of people's hands where you're not doing a lot of managing if you're limited by what you have to do as a player is there anything you'd like to see that you think could improve the game I can't think of anything. I, I'm happy with the, where the game's at right now, personally. So if nothing changed, I'd be perfectly fine. I know you're a hockey fan, too. Um, how did the rapport occur between you and some of the guys on the Lightning here? Um, 
It happened two years ago when they came and hit BP uh, with us. I knew uh, Bishop was from St. Louis, and obviously I grew up in St. Louis as well. So um, we just kind of met that way. Just we were from the same area, and he's a big baseball fan, big hockey fan. So obviously they just kind of merged together. We talked about the Cardinals a little bit because I knew he was a big, you know, Cardinals fan as everybody is back there. And you know, just got the relationship started that way. Went to a lot of games. Um, really enjoy hockey. And then me and Matt went and skated with him. And we met. I've met more people before. You know, before that time. So we've just kind of you know met each other and become friends over the years. Where they come here, we go there, and it's just kind of a good relationship between two uh, two local teams. Did you play hockey before that? And if so, what was your hockey game like growing up? I played roller hockey on the street. Um, that was good, but there was no ice and it wasn't slippery. So we used to just, you know, putt around people's ponds and stuff like that. Uh, no pads, no nothing. So I wouldn't say I actually played hockey. We just kind of did it. But when we went uh, full pads and all that stuff at uh, Amelie, it was a whole different ball game. We were uh, terrible to start off with. Uh, it got better as the time went on, but it's a lot harder than what you know they make it look like, as I'm sure it is when you know people come try to play baseball. But I think hockey is probably the hardest sport to play because you're not playing it on a stable surface. You're playing it with knives on your feet and a slippery surface, so it's hard. And your favorite player in hockey right now would be? I don't know if I have a favorite player, honestly. I, I just enjoy watching good hockey. Um, it's Nothing's better than watching a good competitive game, and that's why playoff hockey is so fun to watch when that time of the year rolls around. So I wouldn't you know, put my allegiance to one guy, but I, like I said, I really enjoy watching the Lightning play and how they, uh, they go about everything. Well, I wish you best of luck the rest of this season. Enjoy the Lightning in the offseason. Hopefully it's not long before we see you pitching here in a postseason game on the mound. For sure, though. I think everybody would really enjoy that from inside the clubhouse and out. But, no, thanks for having me, Neil. Again, that's Jake Odorizzi joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. We'll have more after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. We continue today from Crown Hyundai, 34th Street North in St. Petersburg, where you have a Rays watch party later on. Again, this is This Week in Rays Baseball, and right now it's time to take a look at the week gone by. And joining us from Houston, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks for being with us. Anytime, Neil. You know it's always a highlight. <laughs> Mark, let's start with uh, the highlights from what you put in today's Tampa Bay Times, and that is kind of what to look forward to from both a positive and negative sense. And it really begins, or you began, with today's starter and Chris Archer, who unfortunately can become in some elite company today. Yeah, Neil, it's kind of hard to, to kind of reconcile. I mean, how Chris Archer, who has been so good and was an all-star last year, and, and you know, we, we all certainly talked about and wrote about it, him being one of the best pitchers in baseball going into this season, is sitting here about to tie or, or you know, with the chance to tie one of the most dubious marks in franchise history, 18 losses by Tanyan Sturtz, and that was on a 2002 team that lost 106 games. But, you know, sometimes um, – it's out of the starting pitcher's control. Sometimes it is. I think in Chris Archer's case, it's been both. There have been games he's lost and he's pitched well enough to win, and there's been games that he's deserved the loss for. I know he doesn't consider wins and losses a, a fair measurement of a starting pitcher's performance and value. I know a lot of other people sabermetrically have really good arguments why you don't. I think there's also still an old-school faction, which includes, I'll point out, manager Kevin Cash saying that you know the ultimate goal here is still to win games, and, and by doing so, usually a starting pitcher pitching well enough to get the win is going to be a key step toward that. And and I can see the arguments for both, but either way, even if you're going by advanced metrics, I mean, whether it's ERA plus or fielding independent pitching, his numbers are still below league average. I know he's been better since the All-Star break, but 
the Rays were not expecting slightly below league average when the season started from Chris. No, I, I think a lot of people expected Chris Archer to be uh, above league average and be one of the league elite pitchers, Neil. And, and, you know, that's part of what's made this a frustrating season for him and, and I think for the Rays as well, just the inconsistency. I mean, there have been games when he has pitched really well and there's games when you can understand it. I mean, I talked to Tanyan Sturtz uh, the other day and, and he said Chris Archer's too good of a pitcher to be in this category and he hopes he wins the rest of his games. But, you know, maybe this is in, in a way of an awakening for Chris Archer to realize you know, how much, I mean, he, he still works just as hard, but just to realize, you know, how the results can sometimes be out of your control and you have to do every little thing you can during the game to win it. And beyond that, I mean, he has a good chance to lead the American League in strikeouts. And I'm wondering in today's day and age, where as you pointed out in today's article, strikeouts have risen every one of the last nine years in Major League Baseball. Does leading a league in strikeouts mean as much anymore? Well, and, and if you want to, you know, take it further, we can play kind of co-amateur uh, psychiatrists here. Is you know, is that in Chris Archer's head that leading the league in strikeouts is, is a good uh, replacement for for having all the losses that he has, and he's focused on that. And you know, maybe part of the reason his pitch count has run up in some games, and I know some people and scouts have suggested this watching him pitch, is that he's worried or he's focused. I should say, not worried, but he's focused on getting the strikeouts. In a situation where you'd be better off getting in and out of that at bat, you know, Jim Hickey always preaches to these guys, get the guy out in three pitches or less, and, and obviously you're going to stay in the game longer and pitch deeper. And on the flip side, you, you focused on Evan Longoria's terrific season. I thought one of the most interesting things he touched on this week in kind of a, a media scrum was the fact that he did some weightlifting or has done more weightlifting during season than he's done in the past. Yeah, and if you remember at the end of last season, Neil, and I, I remember actually having this exact conversation uh, with Longoria, I think coming maybe after a series in Philadelphia, it may have been, where it looked like he'd lost a lot of weight as this season had gone on, and, and you know you wondered if that impacted his production. He, he said at the time he didn't think so, but he kind of admitted when we talked to him the other day that you know he does typically lose weight during the season, and this was a proactive move on his part to do some in-season uh, maintenance, not, not powerlifting. I'll be joking. He wasn't a gold medalist. He said he would have been about fifth or sixth place, but joking. But the idea being to, to do things to stay strong and to keep that weight on. And, and look, whatever he's done this year, and I'm sure he keeps good records of it, he, he should probably want to continue doing because this has a chance not only to be one of his best years in recent history, but it has a chance, arguably, his best year of his career. And maybe has a chance to have an impact if he stays with it going forward in future seasons, too. you also spoke yesterday or, or wrote yesterday about uh, Desmond Jennings, and I thought you did a really nice analysis piece. What in your mind do you take away from Desmond's tenure here, and what happens to him going forward in Major League Baseball? Well, well, a couple things, Neil, and, and I think first of all, and, and what needs to be said first of all, is Desmond Jennings had tremendous athletic ability and tremendous talent, and, and the combination of power and speed is one of the rarest things in baseball, and he had that, and he had the chance to be an impact player. And Matt Silverman had the quote this past spring, and it was applicable for, for Desmond Jennings' career, that, you know, when he was on the field, he had the chance to be the best player on the field. He had that much skill and ability, you know, maybe absent the strong arm. But it just didn't translate, and it was a series of injuries. And in Desmond Jennings' case, the, I think there was a perception, and he helped feed that, because these weren't seen as debilitating injuries, a knee bruise, a tightness here, and things like that, but it kept him off the field. He may have been hurt, but it wasn't clear, and I think that perception... You know, kind of dogged him a little bit going forward. And there were some issues, lack of hustle issues and things like that, that all kind of fed into this. And, you know, I think there's a fair amount of people who are around the Rays and even in the Rays organization, you know, where this had been expected. And, and some people, I think, from the outside even wonder why it took them so long. Mark, one thing you brought up in Rays Rumblings today, I'm curious your take. You kind of, you know, brought up the question of catching and Bobby Wilson. Is he part of the Rays' future for 2017 
or is the chance they may even move him back to Texas? What's your take? What do you think will, will happen uh, here in the coming days? Bobby Wilson, who asked me what I knew this morning when he, he had been relayed to him by his dad, who was a loyal Tampa Bay Times reader. I'm going to plug that in there. But um, it was just a theory, just something I was wondering about and, and no inside information there. But it, it would just make a lot of sense in that the Rays, you know, the, the Rangers put him on waivers when they got Jonathan LaCroix. The Rays claimed him. He was a big help for the Rays. It allowed them to get Kurt Casale kind of out of the pressure cooker down to AAA. But, you know, Kurt Casale is going to come back next week when the AAA season ends. And Bobby Wilson's playing time, you would think, might diminish because the Rays are so focused on 2017 and they need to feel out, feel out Maley, feel out Casale, who can be part of what they have going forward. So it just wondered to me if you know, it made sense for Wilson to go back to the Rangers, help them in the stretch run here. They're going to be in that playoff run, probably in the playoffs, and the Rays create a little bit more time for their younger guys. But, but again, just pure speculation on my part. Well, it's a good question. It's worth a read. I hope people will take a look at it today in the Tampa Bay Times. As always, Mark, we appreciate your time on this week in Rays Baseball. Anytime, Neil. Sorry I can't be at your watch party because I'm sure you are a tremendous host. <laughs> Thank you. That's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. To the wall! Gone! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball, again from Crown Hyundai, 34th Street North in St. Petersburg today. Time to take a look at the minor league side of the Rays. September call-ups around the corner for some Durham Bulls, but several steps away, the Princeton Rays are having a pretty good season in the Appalachian League. Their manager for the third straight year is former major leaguer Danny Schaefer, who now joins us. Danny, thanks very much for coming on. Hey, great to be here. How are you guys doing? Good. You guys are in the thick of the playoff hunt. What have you thought overall of this year's group, and what has stood out to you? Well, there's some excitement here. There's some young players here with some talent. We're a half game out right now, and and uh, the team that we're chasing is, uh, is uh, coming at Princeton for a four-game series in three days. So I'm excited for these young kids. Let's start with some of them. Uh, Adrian Rondon is a kid who's gotten a lot of attention this year because of the turnaround he had. He really struggled his first year in the States in the Gulf Coast League. His numbers are immensely better. What have you thought of the way he's played here in Princeton? Well, you know, in fairness to him, you know, when you get out of complex baseball and get into to, to what I call more more real baseball where you're under the lights, you're traveling, you're with the, you know, you're with the same team, you're battling uh, – um, some better competition. He's done wonderful. He's, uh, he's exceeded expectations, um, you know, my expectations anyway, and, and he's hit the ball with authority. And uh, i got to keep remembering at times he's only 18 years old. And he's not the only 18-year-old you have that's talented. Joshua Lowe, the first-round pick in this year's draft, was promoted from the Gulf Coast League where he was starting to dominate there. How has he done for you, and, and what do you think of his talents? Well, he's adjusted very well. His first week here, he he hit the ball very, very hard, hit two or three homers, and and uh, has settled down since then. Um, I think he had two triples the other night in Kingsport. Um, he's a patient young man. He's a patient hitter. I think he's going to be a better hitter as he climbs the ladder. He he's he's not uh, real aggressive in the strike zone. He takes a lot of pitches, and and uh, that that'll change. Um, ball comes off his bat very, very well. Another guy who I've heard a lot of good things about who came from uh, the Rays complex was Jesus Sanchez. Uh, he was very good in the Gulf Coast League. I know he started well for you. Um, I've heard very good things about his overall swing and his potential offensively. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, 
he's got some serious upside. You know, he's another kid at 18, and he's, he's, he's smiling. He's having a good time. He loves to play the game. Um, left-handed hitter. He's got a tremendous arm. we got three great outfielders here. Um, it's going to be fun in the future, to even with Sanchez in the mix, to see how these kids progress and if they climb the ladder together. You mentioned three good outfielders. I know one who probably hasn't gotten, let's say, the attention of a Jesus Sanchez um, to this point is a kid named Eliardo Cabrera. What can you tell me about him? What makes him such a talent? Uh, well, he has every tool you want. I mean, he hits for power. He hits for average. Um, you know, the power numbers aren't there yet, but they will be. He'll, he'll pull the ball with authority later. He's only 20 years old. He's got the best arm in the Appalachian League, and he might have the best arm in the system. He, um, he does everything right. And, uh, you know, comparisons at this level are a shot in the dark. But, uh, you know, when you look at him and I, and I, and I look at a 20-year-old Carlos Beltran, I see the same player. But, I don't, I, you know, I can't project 10 years from now. But uh, he's a pretty good player. That says something um, because you've had some pretty good comps before with some guys who performed very well through the Rays system. Yesterday, one of your catchers, Raynell Pinto, hit a couple of home runs. How has he adapted? Because I know he was, I think, if I remember right, an MVP in, uh, in one of the academies. Yeah, he was, and, and I think he won a batting title down there. But uh, he, he came to us uh, about a month ago. Uh, uh, Rafaelin Lorenzo had a, had a, a severe sprain of his ankle, and, and so we needed some help, and we got him from the Gulf Coast League. And uh, with regular playing time, he's, he's, he's shown that he can hit the ball with authority. I think he's got five home runs in about three weeks. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see the competition between those two kids, and, and I think they'll push each other. Is there a little bit um, – I mean, you've, we haven't even scratched the surface from a position player standpoint. How does this group compare, let's say, to the previous couple of years? Because this is your third year managing in, in the App League with Princeton, with the Rays organization. Yeah, this uh, – you know, if this, if this club makes the playoffs, that'll be the third straight year we make it, and, and uh, which is exciting for this level. But last year's team was was different, a different makeup. Uh, a lot of college kids. Um, you know, the coaching approach to to a college kid versus a bunch of 17 or 18 year olds is a little bit different. And this is an exciting group. This this group has more tools than than uh, as as a group than than any club that I've had at, at this level. So. You know, and again, we don't have a crystal ball, but it's nice to see the talent. It's nice to see the tools, and, and we get compliments from around the league and from scouts all over the place that uh, they like these kids. From a pitching standpoint, there are two names I wanted to bring up for sure. One is uh, Sandy Brito, who's a, a hard-throwing kid. Um, what can you tell me about him? Um, wow, what an evolution from last year. You know, here's a kid that uh, didn't play much baseball at all, and I think he pitched under – 20 innings last year in the Gulf Coast League, and um, and prior to signing a professional contract, I don't even think he's been on a baseball field. But at any given day, he's hitting 97, 98, 99, and uh, developing a breaking ball right now. And now he's got confidence, and um, no one's going to run on him. He's under a second to the plate, and he's uh, he's a special young man. He's a, he's a great athlete. He might be the best athlete that we have on the team, but he's. Uh, it, from, compared to what he had last year in the Gulf Coast League, and now he might be the most improved player. That's a pretty high praise, and obviously some, some tools that you can't teach as well. How about Ethan Clark? Um, how is he? I know his performance has been good. What have you thought of him? Well, I had him last year. He came to us a little late. He signed a little late. Uh, had to go to a uh, wedding and missed another week. And, and so last year he was a pitcher out of the pen that we were just trying to get some innings for. And, 
Um, and quite frankly, he's turned around into probably the best starter in this league, and, and uh, you know, he's throwing a game tonight, so hopefully he you know, follows suit to what he's done in the past you know, dozen starts or so. And he's got four good pitches. Um, he's, uh, he's projectable because he's low to mid-90s and, uh, and he's got a command of a breaking ball. And he likes to compete, so he's, uh, he's going to be a good one. Well, good luck with the competition this week, Danny. We certainly appreciate some time in this week in race baseball, and hopefully you're in the postseason, and we'll talk to you about that next week. 10-4. Thanks, guys. You got it. That's Princeton manager Danny Schaefer. Now, when we continue on this week in race baseball today, Crown Hyundai, again, 34th Street North in St. Petersburg. We'll visit with former race David Price and Robinson Chirinos and chat with Richard Justice of MLB.com. We continue right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Today, Crown Hyundai, 34th Street North in St. Petersburg. Race watch party coming up. This week, David Price threw eight shutout innings against his original team in a 6-2 victory over Tampa Bay, although he was helped by a tremendous catch from Andrew Benintendi that robbed Steven Sousa Jr. of a home run. And I had a chance to sit down with David and ask him if it was the best catch he's ever had behind him. Honestly, yeah, probably so. You know, that's, that's the first home run I've had, you know, robbed in the big leagues. Um, that made it a one-run game at the time. You know, it had been 3-2. to two. That was, uh, that was a very big catch. Yeah, I appreciated it. I'm sure. You had uh, mentioned that it's still very difficult to face the race. Does it get easier with any passing start and with more time and with less familiarity with the guys on the other side? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's still, this is still where it all started. And I still know a good, uh, a good amount of guys over there. And, you know, it's it's just not... Easy pitching against, you know, ex-teammates and, and guys that are still, you know, your really good friends. So it's, I don't think it ever really gets easier. It's something you kind of have to to block out, and I did a better job of that, you know, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. It, it, is it harder against this group than, let's say, Detroit or Toronto because of just the time spent? Uh, yeah, probably so. You know, I mean, just spending, you know, part of seven seasons here, you know, it's... Formed a lot of you know good relationships you know in that in that other clubhouse and you know I was with uh, Detroit for a year and then Toronto for you know a couple months but you know pitching against your ex teammates is it's never fun. How has this year been for you personally? The the adjustment. What's it been like? Um, I feel like it's it's been fine. You know it's it's not the reason why I'm haven't thrown the ball very well. You know throughout. I guess consistently, really, but it's all right. I'm healthy. I feel good. You know, I'm, I still expect good things to happen, and you know, I'm I'm confident that they will. I'm curious because not much has probably been made of it, but you went from having Jim Hickey for every year you were in the big leagues to having three pitching coaches in three years. How challenging and difficult is that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's very challenging or, or difficult. It's probably more challenging for them. You know, just. If they want to say something, you know, they're not sure how they want to go about saying it or even if they want to say anything, you know, just Hickey, I grew up with Hick, you know, he could tell me one thing and it would, you know, it all makes sense. And, you know, everybody else, you know, being with Jeff Jones for a year in Detroit and then being with Pete in uh, in Toronto, you know, they just, I mean, I was throwing the ball extremely well there. So they kind of just, you know, sat back and, and let me go about it. And, I mean, you know, Carl, he's, he's been great this year. You know, even whenever 
you know, things were going bad, you know, he would still, you know, want to try this, you know, give this a shot. You know, I'm, I'm open. I'm all ears for it. And, you know, he's, I feel like he's definitely gone about it the right way. And you've also had, I mean, the fact that you you had a comfort level with a guy like Jose Molina or a consistency in catchers, and you go from catcher to catcher to catcher, that rapport, that trust. How how much time does that take to really evolve? Uh, that's definitely probably the most the most challenging thing about, you know, being traded and, and throwing to different guys. You know, I've, over the last three years, I've probably thrown to 12, 13, 14 different catchers, you know, and that's... You know, I, I still, you know, I know every pitch that I want to throw, so it doesn't matter, you know, what that catcher puts down. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna shake to, to get to what I want. But whenever you're on that same page with that catcher, you know, it's, I feel like that, it's tougher for the hitter. You know, if you're not there shaking a whole lot and all you're doing is saying yes, you know, they, you don't fall into patterns and they don't, it's tougher to pick up patterns whenever the catcher is on the same page as you are. And, you know, I feel like that's, it's going well here. And when you were here, obviously you learned probably a lot about some hitters from talking to Longo and in Detroit with Miggy and Toronto and Carnacion Bautista. What have you learned being on the same team with Big Poppy this year? What's the biggest thing you've taken away? Um, just how smart he is. I mean, as as good as a as a hitter that he is, you know, he's he's more intelligent than that. I mean, it's it's really special just watching him interact with everybody. You know the the teammate and the person that he is aside from you know just the the baseball player you know he treats everybody exactly the same it doesn't matter if it's Hanley or if it's Benintendi you know it doesn't matter he treats everybody extremely well and that's to me that's that's what I grade people on and that is Boston Red Sox lefty and former Rays pitcher David Price he threw eight shot out innings Monday the first game of the Boston series now barring something unforeseen when the Rays visit Fenway Park he will not face Tampa Bay this coming week. Now, Price wasn't the only former Rays player at Tropicana Field this past week. Robinson Chirino started for Texas here on Sunday, and Robbie dealt with concussion issues when he was here, but still says he enjoys coming back to the Trop. So it was a dream to come through, so every time I come here, it just take me back to that 2011, and I thank God, and, and I remember myself how how uh, uh, unfortunately, I have to, to be a Major League Baseball player. You've been through a lot this year, too. Uh, how's your health? You went through a pretty tough injury. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been tough the, the whole year. I mean, it was, early, it was early in the season after all the work I, I put in the offseason to, to went down for a few months and, and come back and trying to dealing with and getting back to, to be strong and and feel good, but thank God right now it's good. I mean, I'm working out every day, trying to to get my strength back and, and trying to feel 100%. For fans who don't know of the race, they might not have followed. So you had a fractured forearm? How did it happen? Yeah, it, it happened the first week of the season. I, I was, we were playing Anaheim and got hit by a pitch from Richards, the guy from Anaheim, and it just broke my forearm. Obviously, you've, it, it's good to see you back and good to see you healthy. What's made this team so successful this year? You've been around a few of these clubs now. I mean, I'm going to say first, for, for sure, the talent we have inside the, the clubhouse and, and the chemistry. You know, the guys uh, playing together, 
So when you combine, you know, the good pitching and the hitting we have, and, and the I mean the good teammates and and trying to to make it fun and and, and win games. So when you put all all those together, definitely you're gonna have a chance to to win games in the field. I had a conversation with Bobby Wilson, who obviously you spent a good part of the year with, and he's told me that Adrian Beltre is the best leader he's ever been around in baseball. Do you feel the same way? Uh, for sure. That, that's the guy, um, I mean, you have to tip you, you had with. I mean, he's, he's not only performing in the field, but he's a great leader in the clubhouse, off the field. I mean, he, he's the guy who uh, put this clubhouse together and, and kind of to uh, keep focus everybody to to go to the, to where we want to go, you know, to win the World Series, and that's the guy in, in that clubhouse served to to win the ring. I mean, he's been playing so long, he's he's been doing so good his whole life, and hopefully we we can put the, the ring this year in his hand. What does he do different than other leaders you've been around? I mean. I'm gonna say he lives by example. He he's not only the guy who talks to you, but he's the guy. Uh, he's first in the clubhouse. He's the first in the boss. He's the first outside. He he run the bases good, hard. He, I mean, that's a great leader. You know, for me, when you live by example, you can get guys to follow you, and that's why everybody in this team follow him. What, one of the interesting pieces of this series is seeing Matt Bush come here. I mean, you know what he's been through. What has he been like in the clubhouse and on the field to handle everything? I mean, he's, it's, it's amazing how, how he's stayed together in everything he went through, you know, and, and see him having good time in the big league, reach his goal to, to play in the big league. I, I, I feel happy for the guy. And, I mean, he's... He's a good guy in the clubhouse. He's trying to do everything in the field to stay in the big league. And, I mean, he has the ability to be a great pitcher in the big league for a long time. You've got another guy working with the pitchers this now since the break in, or since the trading deadline in Jonathan Lucroy. What have you learned from him so far? I mean, he's, he's an all-star catcher. I mean, he's a guy who, who prepared himself a lot before the game and, and and trying to to do everything from for the for the team, and I I think everything happened for a reason. And right now I'm just trying to to learn everything I can from him and 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 learn from. I think I, I'm gonna have a long career in the big league to 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 catch and and to have that kind of the guy here in my team and be able to talk to him every day and learn. For sure, I'm gonna learn a lot. So. Just trying to stay open and ask questions right now. Well, continued success. Great to see you. Good luck the rest of the year. Thank you. God bless you guys. Always good to come here. And that is Robinson Chirinos, really one of the true nice guys in the game, and good to see him this past week with the Texas Rangers, who have already taken two of three from Cleveland this weekend in Texas. Today, the Rays, of course, in Texas as well. They're taking on Houston, trying to salvage one against the Astros. And joining us now from MLB.com and MLB Network, Richard Justice. Richard, thanks very much for a few minutes. Oh, thank you for having me, Neil. First, let's start with the wild card race. Um, What's your take on it right now? The Orioles have a game lead over Detroit, two on this Houston team in Seattle, two and a half on New York, and three on Kansas City. This is for the last playoff spot. Yeah, I think the Orioles 
trouble. You, you've seen them as much or more than I have, and uh, Chris Tillman being on the disabled list might be a, a, a killer to a, a club that was already having all kinds of pitching with starting – I mean, all kinds of trouble with starting pitching – in fact, it's kind of remarkable that they've lasted this long, you know. But what they do, they do better than anybody. The Yankees are the are the X factor in that with all these kids, you just don't know. And Sanchez is amazing. We'll see what Judge does. Um, they 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 could do it. And the Detroit, and Houston, I, and Seattle, I think there are things you like about all of them. Things you wonder about with all of them. So. I do think Boston will persevere and get one of the spots. I think Toronto will win the division. And then the other one, I don't know. You could you could make a case for all of them. I, and I just say this. I, I think in the National League, the Giants are going to play the Cardinals, and that will be pretty fun. Indeed. You wrote about Kansas City this past week, about what they've done to get back into this race. Um, I mean, they have the experience, but can they catch four teams in front of them? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, we'll see. I mean, today's a big game, but when you're in the spot they're in, every game's a big game. It's amazing what's happened to them. They've completely rebuilt the bullpen. It's better than ever. It might be better than those other bullpens. But the rookie named Matt Strom has come in there, you know, Peter Moylan. A lot of people probably didn't even know he was still in the game. And Chris Young has reinvented himself yet again in the bullpen. Gordon is hitting. Uh, Kane is hitting. And uh, their starting pitching has been has, was never this good in the two World Series years. Danny Duffy got hit, hit around yesterday. He's become an ace. He reinvented. He got a new curveball. And Ventura's pitching the way he was always. They always hoped he would pitch. So they're very formidable. Can they make up the distance? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm thinking. You know, I, I think they still have a shot at the division. Although. It'll be cool. I think a lot of people are rooting for them, Neil, because they have such a organizational discipline about the way they go about their business. They never waver. In spring training, I ask a ton of baseball people, what's the most impressive thing about the Royals? You think they're going to say, okay, bullpen, defense, uh, contact, contact hitters, speed. And they just said, no, they, for nine years they had a plan. And Dayton Moore had a plan, and the owner, David Glass, and son, Dan Glass, they stuck to that plan. And when you look around baseball teams are considering doing this or doing that, there's a lot to be said for putting good people in place and staying with them through thick and thin. That's, and that's, that's why, I mean, if I'm a baseball guy, I'm rooting for the Royals because they do it the right way. Again, chatting with Richard Justice, and it's certainly not easy to stick with a plan. You know, this Houston team that the Rays are facing right now, I think everyone had them as kind of, I don't know if you'd call them the sexy pick going into the year for the division. They're now in a division where you've got, in the American League, the widest margin is their seven and a half back of Texas. But again, still in the hunt for that final wild card. Uh, why have they not been as competitive in the division as maybe a lot of people thought they might? Some of the people they counted on have were not good. Carlos Gomez was terrible in center field. He's now he was released and was signed by the Rangers. Uh, Colby Rasmus was not productive in uh, in left field. He's on the DL now with uh, had some kind of cyst removed from his ear. Uh, the production at third base, first base, DH was not good. And Keiko and McHugh were so great last year, are having those year after years. Keiko's been good this month, so it's been a number of things. And they had to go to Plan B. They had. Ten rookies on the roster ten days ago. That today they're going to start a rookie at third base, Alex Bregman, a rookie at first base, AJ Reed, Yuli Gorel, the uh, Cuban they signed for forty-seven million. He's in the starting lineup. They have 
rookies all over the pitching staff. Chris Davinsky uh, is one of their better relievers in the American League, long relievers. So it's uh, it's interesting to watch. You know, when you put so many kids out there, you don't know what you're going to get. But what they do have, they, <laughs> they have Jose Altuve, who's about as much fun as any player I've ever seen. They have three guys, Springer, Correa, and Altuve. Who are, those are guys you can – cornerstone type players you can build on for a long time and we'll see how see how it finishes uh, but they, they're playing better now but you know they had to pull a rabbit out of the hat friday night to win and they're facing chris archer today which is a tall order i know that you know they are again on the outside looking in right now but still have a certainly a good chance and i know how good the the talent of the cubs is in the national league and you mentioned the yankees young talent with all the rookies they're playing, though, does Houston have the potential to have the best young talent right now in the game, at least in the American League? I, you know, I looked at it like 15 teams in contention. Every team is playing between two and four or five rookies, including the Cubs, are, are throwing some young guys out there. Uh, what I don't, what I would wonder about the Astros is, do you have enough starting pitching? The, you know, like you mentioned, the, when we look at the Royals. They're rolling out the starting pitching, and that's the foundation of everything you do. And the Astros had Doug Fister going today. He's been really good this year. Uh, but if Keiko and McHugh, and Keiko's been good. He was good last night. If Keiko and Colin McHugh get on a roll, um, that they might be good enough. But, you know, what we're looking at, other than the Cubs, every team has a yes but. You know, there's, every team has issues they're dealing with. And that makes for a great pennant race sometimes because who knows how it's going to play out. And I would say the American League certainly much more balanced than the National League, too, so there's not as many breathers um, as well. Yeah, and you have, like, like in the American League, you have, like, what, six teams going for one playoff spot or seven teams going for two playoff spots, something like that. And uh, <laughs> that, makes for, uh, that makes for a lot of indigestion for the managers, but it's fun for us. It certainly does. Again, chatting with Richard Justice on This Week in Rays Baseball. You said you like Toronto to take the East over Boston, and obviously Baltimore seems to be fading a bit. Why do you like Toronto over Boston? Well, I change my mind every three hours, and I think that's been that way with the American League East the whole year. Like, twenty, every any any guarantee, any any pick is only has an expiration date of about twenty-four hours. But today, I just think even with even with Stroman struggling, even with uh, Sanchez being given a rest right now, there's a lot of offense. There's some arms in the bullpen, and there's just – I just think they're a team that their strengths might overcome their weaknesses. <laughs> if you'd asked me two days ago, I would have said Boston, but I'm just not sure about Buckholz and Wright and guys that they need down the stretch. I'm not really sure about the bullpen. Is Yohara going to be able to contribute? And some of their young guys, like Jackie Bradley, uh, have uh, have really struggled here since the All-Star break. And I guess what I'm saying is, I, I, I really have no idea. The, to me, the Yankees are the most interesting because of all those young guys. But is that good enough to get them through, pull them through? I don't know. That was my next question. If I had to put you on the spot, Richard, and say, okay, does the American League East get two wild-card teams and would the Yankees be that second team, what's your thinking? Who do you think will be the team that meets Boston in the wild-card if you had to choose one today? If I had to choose one today, I would choose Kansas City. Um, because, And that's only because – I only say that because they're playing the best right now. 
and the pitching is so good with Kennedy, uh, Duffy, and Ventura. And the bullpen is amazing. I mean, what, what did they do? 42 scoreless innings? I, I, that's incredible. And they run – if they get – you know, it puts such tension on an opponent. When, when you, uh, you, you get five or six innings with a lead, I mean, you feel like the game is over, and that's the way Kansas City won the last two years, and that's how they're playing right now. It's the way the game has changed. It's changed a lot. Richard, we certainly appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Thanks for joining us here uh, right before September call-ups. Thank you, Mia. You got it. That's Richard Justice of MLB.com and MLB Network, and we certainly appreciate all of his time and that of all our guests on today's show, including race starting pitcher Jake Odorizzi, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, Danny Schaefer, Princeton manager David Price, and Robinson Chirinos, former Rays, now with the Red Sox and the Texas Rangers. And certainly we appreciate the help of our producer today, John Milo. Terrific job as usual. Next week, get to know more about Nick Franklin. And also, Derek Shelton will join us on the Rays' surprising home run total. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, just tweet me at Neil Solons. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next on the Rays Baseball Network.